Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. It was 57 years ago this week when How the Grinch Stole Christmas premiered on CBS. The Grinch first appeared in 1955 in the Dr. Seuss book, The Hubub and the Grinch. Chuck Jones directed the TV special while Boris Karloff narrated and Thurl Ravenscroft was the bass voice in the song, You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. Ravenscroft was also the voice of Kellogg's Tony the Tiger. Theodore Geisel was the name behind Dr. Seuss. Dr. Judith Morgan is the ultimate Dr. Seuss biographer, and she joins us tonight to tell that story. Merry Christmas, Dr. Morgan. Thank you very much, Dave, and you too. Well, I will tell you, um, what a fascinating book that uh, that you wrote some years ago. And I was looking at the history of Dr. Seuss because he is a little bit of an enigma. He He started his writing career early in life while attending Dartmouth College when he got the name Dr. Seuss. Please share that story with us. When he was editor of the Jack-O-Lantern, which was the Dartmouth Humor magazine, he uh, ended up getting in a bit of trouble. Uh, It was prohibition, and he and a bunch of the lads in his room, I believe, uh, were sharing a very small amount of moonshine. Uh Uh-oh. And it was just before Easter, which is why they really got in trouble. But at any rate, the dean caught on to this, and they stripped him of the title of editor of Jack-O-Lantern, said he couldn't write for them, and that's all he cared about, drawing, cartoons, editing. So he began using Seuss, which was his mother's maiden name. And then later on in his career, he had a doctor because he never did get a doctorate at Oxford. He wasn't a great student, at least a focused one, and so he added the doctor he did doctor for the doctorate he did not receive. Funny. Well, and then he was uh, he he w- there was a humor magazine called Judge at the time that was published, I think, from the uh, late eighteen hundreds to about nineteen forty seven. And that was the first time that he actually had a national work published under Dr. Seuss. That's true. And uh, he was living in New York, and Judge was a bit outrageous and a bit on the liberal side, and it just suited Ted fine. And he, in fact, most of the Seuss characters you mentioned earlier, all of the Yertle, the Turtle, the whole bit, appeared in cartoons for Judge Magazine in the 1920s and 30s. He he said, I can only draw one elephant and only draw one turtle, and they all look alike. So <laughs> he, he kept them up from well, decades. You know, he absolutely did. And everybody has to make a living, Judith. So although he, you know, loved the humor magazines and doing the cartooning, he quickly became highly sought after and began earning a living as an illustrator in the advertising world for some of the biggest names in business. He did. He uh, he wrote, as he said, they paid a lot per word, but he wrote for Standard Oil, and he wrote a, a then very famous ad called Quick Henry the Flit, which was for a bug spray, and that was a big problem in those days, and it, it was a national craze, uh, just you know, the, the catchphrase that we now have for Coca-Cola or Nike or whatever. 
you know, he's finally signed by Vanguard Press, and it was the beginning of World War II. He started drawing hundreds and hundreds of political cartoons, and then he joined the Army. That's true. And that, that really uh, changed things. He knew he wanted to, but he was older than most. But he was assigned to what they called Fort Fox in Hollywood. And it was uh, a career blessing because in his little band of film people working at 20th Century Fox, but wearing Army uniforms and marching around, not very orderly, but they did. But there was Meredith Wilson, who ended up writing The Music Man. There was Chuck Jones, who ended up with Looney Tunes and Bugs Bunny and The Animator and all kinds of characters. And these fellows remained friends for life, and they were directed by Frank Capra, famous Hollywood yeah, icon, I read about that, yeah. and they all kept in touch with each other, and it was a, an interesting way to spend the war, but he did propaganda films that were pretty pretty tough. I've seen some of them. Yeah, and it, but you know, in those experiences, you make a lot of lifelong uh, friends, as you say, and post-war, uh, he got back to uh, writing uh, children's books. Now, uh, his first book, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street, uh, was rejected by dozens of publishers in the beginning. Why was that? Well, people weren't really um, writing and buying children's books other than the old classics, you know, the Charles Dickens or something, but uh, it was not the huge market it is now. And also, the, they weren't buying books in rhyme. And his idea of illustrating a book so that everything you read was illustrated and vice versa was just unheard of. And the man who finally did accept his book was a Dartmouth classmate who also had a new job, and he needed to show he could land a client for his publishing and... um, Ran into Ted in New York, and Ted always said that he was the luckiest man. He, he said, I'm not a genius, I'm just lucky. The Grinch was published uh, back in 1957 and became a beloved tradition for millions. How did the TV special come about? Ted had served with the animator Chuck Jones in World War II in Hollywood, uh, doing war films at and other projects. Uh, And Chuck had gone from Looney Tunes and and his animation career. He had just switched to MGM. And he thought that one of the Seuss books should be adapted for television. He didn't care which, but he really wanted to make that connection. So he called his buddy Ted and asked, and Ted said, no, no interest because he always believed that his books were were pure in themselves, and that's what he wanted. He was not into commercialization at all. And fortunately for all of us, his wife, Helen, um, had a bit broader picture and talked to Chuck and said, come on down to La Jolla, visit in person. It would be nice to see you again. And in person... Chuck Jones talked Ted into giving it a try, working with a friend, seeing what could happen. 
the challenge was they were taking a book that takes 12 minutes to read and stretching it into a half hour on television. And they turned out to be an amazing team. They, uh, they argued, but they both had this vision of sticking with the story. And Ted began to realize all the changes that had to be made for television, such as color, right. <laughs> because the book itself is black and white, with the Grinch having pink eyes, and that's... He's black and white and gray, red, yeah. yeah. In the 1950s, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you think about that story now. You know, and and I and while I love all the Rankin and Bass holiday classics, the Rudolphs and the Frosties, and why I love all the Charlie Browns, the stories were always a little silly, and they'd go off topic. And you know, Rudolph is now dealing with a dentist, and all this other stuff yeah. to stretch it into an hour. But this story always, to me, just seemed like a natural expansion of the story that Ted originally wrote. And that was exactly what Chuck wanted. They they managed to to take that story and honor it, stay with it, but add music. And Ted had always wanted to write songs, so this was a natural way to do it. And he, Ted Geisel said it was the easiest book he'd ever written. It was, he only was hung up on the ending because he didn't want to be preachy or religious. He wanted just have be open-hearted about it. And once he drew the end of the book and saw the Grinch seated at the table with the Who's, he knew he had it and concluded with the Grinch. The Grinch himself carved the roast beast. But in the filming, it allowed him to write the wonderful, evil lyrics to You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. And Ted got so much out of his heart and soul in, in letting loose on that. The, uh, the challenge, they agreed, was to take the Grinch of the book and make him even meaner. And it, they did. The, he went from, from pink eyes to green eyes and... Chuck Jones was able to stretch that evil mouth all the way down to the floor, <laughs> yeah, practically, yeah, yeah. on Mount Crumpet, and um, enhance the sense of evil and malevolent intentions and looking far down the mountain to the Whoville. So they, they had a good uh, feisty relationship in creating the book for television. In all your research about uh, Ted Geisel and Dr. Seuss, what was he like? What was he like as an individual, as a person, as a, as a husband, as a friend, uh, as a co-worker? Well, for my late husband, myself, he was the best of friends. He, he somehow considered himself a journalist. Um, he linked with newspaper people and we we had great trusting conversations and laughing at people over the years. Um, he was very shy in public. He did not enjoy throngs. And he, he really didn't feel comfortable around children in masses. He understood them, of course. He was very childlike in his head. 
but he preferred communicating through the written word to getting out and shaking hands. And in his later years, more and more, he just wanted to write, and so he began skipping coming out at all. And uh, that way he managed to finish Oh, the Places You'll Go, which he knew was his valedictory. And he was happy with that. And he had no kids. And so when you think about one of the most prolific writers in children's literary history, you know, he, he had no kids to sit down and think about when he was writing, but he did. He, he, he knew his audience. He did. Well, and he said, I was one, you know. Right. <laughs> I mean, he figured that was an experience yeah. enough. Just... Judith's book is Dr. Seuss and Mr. Geisel. And, of course, for more on Dr. Seuss, visit Seussville.com. Judith, absolute pleasure uh, speaking with you. Um, I know you've had really one of the most original experiences writing this book because nobody has ever done it since. And um, it's, it's, it's a great read on, in looking into a man that nobody really knew great joy to be able to share him with you and with your listeners. Thank you, Judith, and happy holidays to you. And to you.